My friends, if you could get your Bibles back out to 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's 1 Samuel chapter 17 as we look to the well-known story of David and Goliath. But before we do so, I wanted to do a quick recap of what we have seen thus far in our series on King David. So specifically, we're going to be just recapping quickly 1 Samuel chapter 1 to 16, and then we'll be diving into our passage just so we can get caught up. So in our first sermon in the series, we heard of Ruth's faithfulness in the time of Judges, in the time of the Judges, which was a chaotic time in Israel. And in 1 Samuel 1 to 16, we hear many key parts of the story that I'll recap for you. 1 Samuel opens up with Hannah's faithfulness as God grants her a son, Samuel. And Hannah gives Samuel to the Lord, and Samuel ministers to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. Continuing with the story, we see that Eli's sons are morally corrupt, and Eli confronts them, but doesn't really do much else to discipline them. The Lord then rejects Eli's household and calls Samuel, telling him of this reality. Fast forward, we then see that the Philistines rise up against Israel, capturing the Ark of the Covenant. We see that Eli's sons die as well as Eli himself. The Philistines eventually send the Ark back to Israel as the Lord is against them. And Samuel calls Israel to repentance. Israel then demands a king, a king like the other nations, and so King Saul is anointed. King Saul, he starts off strong, but then he falls into serious sin as Saul offers an unlawful sacrifice and he fails to destroy all of the Amalekites and their animals. In a word, my friends, this king of Israel, King Saul, fails to battle evil all the way down. He's inactive, and he fails to obey God in all things. And so the Lord rejects Saul. And as we heard in Ray's sermon last week, David is then anointed king. He is anointed, but Saul is still on the throne for now. If you look in the second half of chapter 16... We see the spirit of the Lord departing from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormenting him, which is a sermon for another day. Saul's servants then find David, David who will play his music when this harmful spirit from God is upon Saul. And we see at the end of chapter 16, when David played this music, Saul was well. Saul was refreshed, and the harmful spirit departed from him. And so that brings us up to date as we look to chapter 17. Let's look first to verses 1 to 7 of chapter 17 as we dive into this well-known story of David and Goliath. Verses 1 to 7. We hear of King Saul and the men of Israel on one side of the valley and the Philistines and their armies on the other side. And then we hear of the massive Goliath, right? Goliath who is decked out with armor and weaponry. 
In fact, we see a very detailed description of Goliath's armor. But unlike Goliath, David will not have his trust in worldly equipment, as we will see. And so in verses 1 to 7, we see this leader of Israel's enemies, right? Goliath, the enemies of Israel, those powers who oppose the ways of God. Symbolically, my friends, the power of the world against the people of God. And so we see this Goliath who arises as a chosen representative of the Philistines, and he is ready for battle. And he will go on to fight the chosen representative of the people of God, whom we will see is David. So as we look to verse 8 and 9, we see that they will duel it out to determine the outcome of this conflict of the Philistines versus Israel. If Goliath wins, then Israel will be servants of the Philistines. We see that in verses 8 and 9. And if David wins, then the Philistines will serve Israel. At least this is what Goliath's initial proposal was. Let's look to verses 8 to 16. So as the story moves forward, Goliath demands a man to fight him. And in verse 11, we see that Saul and all of Israel were completely afraid of Goliath, right? They do not act like men. They're completely afraid of Goliath. The people of God, my friends here, the people of God have forgotten how big their God was compared to this Goliath. My friends, let us never forget how big our God is compared to the evil of the world. And so for 40 days, the Philistine comes forward waiting for someone to fight, right? Waiting for an opponent, a challenger, a champion of Israel. And so we see this 40 days, this period of trial and testing in some sense. But the king at the time, King Saul, he is inactive, right? He doesn't take action here. King Saul is inactive. He is idle, right? He wasn't doing what kings ought to be doing. He wouldn't fight the enemy. He wouldn't rise to the challenge. And so we start to see this theme then of idleness emerge, which we will see again and again in our series on the life of King David, this idleness, this inaction that, in fact, leads to deeper sin. This is a big theme that we will see. My friends, as we apply this to our lives, let us always remember what St. Benedict said, that idleness is the enemy of the soul. So let us not be idle when God is, in fact, calling us to action. Let us not think for a second that we know better than God. Let us not be idle, my friends. Let's look to verse 17 to 23. In verses 17 to 23, again, we hear of the men of Israel challenged by the Philistines, but no one would challenge Goliath. No one wanted to fight evil all the way down in the valley. And so we hear of David coming to the camp, and initially David is coming to the camp because he's providing food for his brothers. We see that there. 
And during this, Goliath continued to wait for a man to fight him. And here, as David has come to the camp, David, the shepherd boy, the young one, hears Goliath's words. And so as usual, Goliath's appearance intimidates all of the Israelites who flee and who abandon the valley floor in verse 24. My friends, for us as well, how many times we Christians act out of the fear of man instead of living our lives by faith and the fear of God, our God who delivers us. Let us trust him in every circumstance. Looking to verse 24 to 31 now as we move forward. So again, all of the men of Israel are continually afraid of Goliath. And then we hear David say this. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Right? Who does this Goliath think he is challenging ultimately the living God? And so we start to see David's zeal emerge here, right? His trust in the Lord in all circumstances. David knows that Goliath, no matter how big he appears to be outwardly, is no match for the living God. He's no match. David knows how big his God is. His God and our God, church. Let us remember that. So as we move forward with the story, we also hear of David's brother, Eliab. And we hear of Eliab's anger towards his little brother, David. In fact, Eliab resents his brother. And as Eliab himself in this situation is not able to rise to the challenge and fears being outdone by his little brother. And so Eliab claims that David has intentions that are evil, right? That are rooted in the evil of his heart. But in fact, my friends, as we know, the Lord sees David's true heart as David is a man after God's own heart. And so David is not deterred by his brother's remarks, but he acts meekly. He turns away from him and continues to assess the situation. Let us beware also, friends, that resentment or jealousy would not enter our own hearts. And so fast forward, we see that Saul hears these words of David, and he sends for him. Moving on to verse 32 to 37. David rises up, trusting in the Lord, and he is ready to battle Goliath, right? Saul thinks in terms of what is humanly possible when he tells David, you're not able. You're not able to do this because of your youth. You're not able to to battle this Philistine. Saul is continually judging situations by outward appearances, right? But David is confident that the Lord will deliver him in this situation. David is willing to battle evil all the way down. He will not sit idle. 
like Saul. Young David was ready to fight the enemy of God. And so in verses 34 to 35, we start to see a picture of Jesus emerge. Right, David as a shepherd, tending to and delivering his father's sheep from all peril. Fighting and defeating the lion and the bear on behalf of his sheep, saving them by the power of God. David is a servant of the Lord, and the Lord God goes with him, right? And like the lion and the bear, David will strike down this Philistine, this evil one, as David delivers Israel by the power of the living God, right? So ironically, we see Saul say, the Lord be with you. Of course, the Lord is with David. But Saul now sends David to fight in a battle that he should have fought in. And so Saul then recognizes David as the champion representing Israel, the one representing the people of God. And so again, we start to see this picture emerge of David as a Christ-like figure. Important to note, friends, as we apply these truths to our lives, David does not have confidence in himself or in his own abilities. No, he has his full confidence in the Lord. His faith is in God. The Christian also, no confidence in ego or self, but confidence in Jesus Christ. Look to verse 38 to 44 as we move forward. We hear in the account that Saul tried to clothe David in his own armor. And so, of course, we can hear these overtones of the transfer of kingship in some sense, the transfer of this royal armor. But David is not the same type of king that Saul is. David is not Saul. David does not operate in the same way that Saul operates. He will not be burdened with Saul's worldly armor. David cannot wear Saul's armor. Saul's armor does not fit David. David does not need to be clothed in the armor of King Saul because David is already clothed in the righteousness of King Jesus. And so instead, David takes his staff, his stones, and his sling. And he goes forth, clothed in the invisible armor of the living God, the armor of God, not of men, ready to take on this Goliath, the enemy of God. David does not need Saul's armor. The Lord saves without sword and spear. David is armed with faith in the living God. And so David puts off the armor of Saul, the worldly armor, because David is clothed in heavenly armor. He's put on Christ. Goliath wants to fight a man, and now this young shepherd stands before him. And Goliath is appalled that this young one would be the one to fight him, the mighty Goliath, and he starts to talk trash. This youth, though, will act like a man, taking action 
like a true king, not like Saul who is idle. David will now take action. David is certain that through in this situation, the God of Israel will deliver him from the hand of Goliath. Israel's God is the one whom Goliath has ultimately defied, and his insult will be avenged. David has his full trust in God, the Christian also. Looking to verse 45 to 50. So David fully trusts the Lord, and he comes to battle in the name of the Lord, by the authority and power of God. And David's goal is not personal victory, but of the advancement of the Lord's cause. He does not fight in the way that the world fights. He does not fight with swords and spears, but David fights and defeats Goliath by the power of God. God, who was with David in the valley. The world's ways are not God's ways, friends. And so David is clear then that the Lord will deliver Goliath into his hands and the Lord will be glorified in this victory against the powers of evil. Victory comes from the Lord. David knows it's nothing in himself. It's nothing in himself, but it's the Lord at work through him, the Christian also. And so we see the Lord saves not with sword and spear, that there was no sword in the hand of David at the end of verse 50. David's strength, my friends, as well as ours, comes solely from the Lord. David fought and conquered through faith wearing the whole armor of God, and thus David kills Goliath, the enemy of God. And of course, friends, David here prefigures Jesus, the king. Jesus who battled evil all the way down, not with worldly swords and spears. Jesus who defeated once for all Satan and delivering God's people from their ancient enemy. This Jesus, who is not idle, who was not inactive, but took action and through his one act of righteousness, justification and life for all faithful people. Not idle, but obedient to the point of death. This Jesus. He did not defeat Satan by the sword, but he defeated Satan by the cross. Then rising from the dead in victory as death has been defeated. The penalty for our sin paid for by Jesus. The perfect life of obedience lived by Jesus. And by faith in this Jesus, we freely receive forgiveness of sins are clothed in his righteousness and gain eternal life by grace alone. Nothing in ourselves. The Lord saves, not with sword and spear. The battle is the Lord's, and he has already won on our behalf. And look to verse 51 to 58 as we close. The champion of the Philistines, the enemies of God killed by David. David faced death itself for the sake of God's people.
people. And Christ laid down his life for his sheep. The ancient serpent, the enemy of all, utterly defeated by Christ, our champion. And so Saul asks the question, whose son is he? Who is this David? Whose son is he? This David who has done these great things. And so the people ask through the centuries, who is this Jesus that has done these great things? Whose son is he? Goliath defeated by David, Satan defeated by Christ. Salvation prefigured in David, eternal salvation accomplished in Christ. Remember, friends, we are not David in this story. David prefigures King Jesus. Jesus the King and Savior. And so we say at Christmas time, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He has defeated our Goliath, crushing the head of the serpent. He has delivered us that all the earth may know him, the Lord Jesus who saves, not with sword and spear, but through a cross. Victory comes from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us in the gospel. And we thank you for this account of David. Allow allow that... Lord, we would not act in idleness when you are calling us to something. And ultimately, Lord, we thank you that David prefigures Jesus. Jesus who has accomplished all things on our behalf and who has defeated the ancient enemy, Satan. We thank you for this picture of the gospel that we see in the account of David and Goliath. Lead us this day as we worship you. In your name we pray. Amen.